The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, once again, I want to welcome you to Temple Bible Church for those that are in person, those that are online. Uh, I know a lot of people are traveling and doing different things. One thing I wanted to highlight as well, uh, coming up uh, in about three weeks, we're going to be doing another TBC together. Uh, we did one back in the fall at Fire Street, and we're going to do one here uh, in about three weeks. We'll have a sign-up going this week, maybe uh, as we get closer, and we'll have some fellowship out in the lobby, hangout time there, and, and also do some worship here in the auditorium. So it's going to be a lot of fun together uh, three weeks from today on on a Sunday evening. So uh, <clears throat> the title of my sermon today is What a Mess. So um, here you go. Uh, we brought the mess to you. Uh, I, I don't know if your house is anything like mine, uh, but we have four kids, and three out of four of them, uh, Christmas morning, make it look like uh, wrapping paper went through a, a shredder uh, or a wood chipper or whatever it is. It's just crazy. Now, uh, two people in my family are actively uh, cleaning while people are opening presents, uh, two of the women in my family. Uh, and so for some of you, this situation, even here on the stage, like my wife would kind of bother you a little bit and even make you not listen very well. I don't know, maybe you're getting the shakes because you want to clean it all up right now. Uh, but just take some deep breaths. We're going to be okay. We'll get through it. Uh, so the idea is that <clears throat> we all have different attitudes toward a mess. Uh, we have different attitudes, and we all fall into three categories. Like I mentioned, we're uncomfortable in the mess, and we just can't stand it, and we gotta fix it or get it done and cleaned up uh, before we can relax. Uh, some, it depends on the day. Uh, you just kind of out and in, and it doesn't matter. You know, like some days it's cool, some days it's bad, and it just depends on the day. You change with the time. And then some of you, like myself, are perfectly content right here in the middle of it. You know, junior high ministry, I enjoy it. It's messy at times. If you go to the Outback on a Wednesday night, you're going to see lots of messes, whether it's verbal, whether it's actual messes and spills, whether it's whatever's going on, it can get messy. And so uh, I think I have a couple pictures of one of the members of my family, not myself, that's way comfortable in a mess, too comfortable in the mess. This is Kendall, my second daughter. I asked her if I could show these, uh, and she's not even, I don't think, here today, so it's okay. Uh, that's her on the left, and that's her not very long ago at the Outback. Uh, having fun with icing from a cupcake. So uh, she is uh, just like me, comfortable in the mess, enjoys it, would prefer that to be the case. So we all have messes in our lives, no matter the mess category you find yourself in. We, we share a similar opinion when it comes to be accepted by God, though, when it comes to the mess. We think that we need to be somewhat cleaned up before we come to God. That we really can't come to God all messy. I mean, with all of our mess. We can't come to God with all that's going on in our lives. We have to get cleaned up a little bit. I even distinctly remember as a kid, I remember thinking to myself, all right, I did this wrong. Maybe I said something wrong to my, my brother, or maybe I, I did something to my neighbor. And... Uh, 
I remember thinking to myself, I gotta do at least something equal good to balance out. Anybody else remember that? Anybody feel that way? Maybe you still feel that way. You did something wrong, now you husbands out there maybe, or you spouses, I don't know. Uh, My kids don't seem to do that for me uh, when they wrong us as parents, but uh, maybe a spouse, they see this error in their ways, and then what comes next? Uh, For some of you, it might be flowers. I don't know what it is, but hopefully your wife doesn't just get flowers when you screw up. But sometimes we see this mess and we we do these things and we we sin against God or we sin against others and we feel like we gotta get cleaned up. We feel like we gotta balance it out and this thinking carries over and carried over back when the Messiah was anticipated. And the prophecies about the Messiah and looking ahead to the Messiah, uh, the, the idea was that he was gonna come a certain way. He was gonna enter the world a certain way. And how was he expected? He was expected as this king. He was expected as this ruler. He was expected to have everything kind of boxed up with a nice, neat little bow on it, everything cool and everything smooth, and he was gonna take over and make it all okay there in that present time and clean it all up, right? But what did Jesus actually do? How did he actually come? He came as one who broke the rules, right? He came with disorder according to the religious leaders. He was countercultural. It was messy. And so this is what Jesus does, and this is what he did back then and what he does even now. And I was thinking about the messes that Jesus either stepped into or he created. And man, there's a long list. I actually trimmed it down. And this is the list. Just listen to these things. It starts with his birth, right? He steps into this this messy stable, right? Just smelly, gross. I mean, we really clean up the stable, right? In the Christmas scene. But it's horrible. And he was laid down in a place that the animals feed out of. And he's in this mess, right? Breaking the rules, healing on the Sabbath, authority and power over the mess of temptation in Luke 4. I just found a bunch of them in Luke and they're all over the Gospels. How about choosing messy disciples? You just had National Signing Day, right? And you had these high school kids, you know, and you make a huge deal about this high school kid throwing a football or whatever it is. And we had this National Signing Day. And these people, I thought about this, like, these disciples weren't going to be in the national signing day at a table, okay? They weren't really that successful in the world's eyes. They were kind of the outcast, the the fisherman, the, the tax collector. He chose messy disciples. He ate with messy people. Over and over again, you see him eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. And the interesting thing is that the tax collectors and prostitutes are often mentioned together. That Jesus would be at these parties and these get-togethers and these social events and the, the prostitutes were provided for the tax collectors. He's in the middle of this mess, right? Healing the unclean, the, the woman with the issue of blood, multiple lepers, healing, elevating, interacting with women in Luke 7. That's unheard of in those days. Here he is stepping in to the mess. 
dealing with the mess of nature and calming the storm and healing all sorts of infirmities, displaying authority and power over the mess of spiritual darkness and casting out demons, correcting the mess that pride creates when the disciples see Jesus do amazing miracles and the thing that they get from it is to ask, who is the greatest? I'm better than you, right? No, I am. I'm going to sit at his right hand, not you. Mommy, can you help, help us out here, right? He came to this mess even of pride, exposing, dismantling the mess of racism in Luke chapter 10, calling out the mess of a corrupt judicial system in Luke 11, rejecting the messy confusion that religious leaders had created and showing a clear path to speaking with God and talking with God in Luke 11, rejecting the arrogance of the Pharisees and corrupt lawyers in Luke 11 as well, exposing the mess of materialism in Luke 12, transforming the mess that comes from anxiety and worry in Luke 12, clarifying the messy misunderstanding on hell and the afterlife in Luke 13 and 14, putting the mess of money worship in its place in Luke 16, and bringing hope out of the mess that comes from human kingdoms and introducing a future kingdom in Luke 17. Those are just a few. I don't think that's a few. Those are just a list, a short list of the messes that either Jesus helped create or he helped correct and he stepped into the middle of. So I think we can all agree, maybe, that we all have issues. And if you don't believe you have issues, maybe that's the first issue you need to get after, right? New year, 2022, just everybody just go ahead and say, I have issues. We all have issues, right? One of those issues is that we, we have bought into a lie that says our life should run smoothly when we follow Jesus. This lie that says things shouldn't be messy, that there shouldn't be difficulty, that, that things should be better and, and more smooth and more put together and not look like this, that it should kind of be a little bit better, right? That there really shouldn't be much sickness, there shouldn't be as much pain, there shouldn't be divorce, there shouldn't be anger, there shouldn't be hatred, there shouldn't be pride, and all the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, don't get me wrong here, there are messes uh, that we need to deal with. It's not about ignoring messes and just sitting in the middle of all the messes. There's addiction, there's family trouble, there's different things that we need to address, work issues, how we treat our children, conflict between spouses. There's messes that we really need to address. But there's other messes we'd probably be better off avoiding, especially based on our patience level and self-control, like politics and just posting in general on social media, right? I mean, because that's a mess. I mean, I know there's a few of you that whatever you post changed the world, but most of us, <laughs> most of us, it creates more of a mess, right? And so here we are sitting in this mess that we're in and that God has put us in. And in scripture, there's an assumption that you're gonna live in a mess as a believer. 
Look at 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14. We're gonna look at four different scriptures based on this mess that we're in. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad with his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Notice he doesn't say, you know, don't be surprised if the fiery trial comes. What does he say? He says, when? Life's a mess. And if you're not in a mess right now, just be patient. It's coming. And so we have this guarantee of difficulty. We have this guarantee of testing and trials. John 16, verse 33 says, Jesus says, I I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Again, you're guaranteed tribulation. What an uplifting sermon to finish off 2021. Kind of fitting though, right? You're guaranteed tribulation. It's gonna be difficult, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And back in Psalm 34, a great chapter, verse 18 and 19, Psalmist says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, God is close to those who are in the mess throughout scripture, all over the Old Testament. You see his heart for the poor, the needy, the outcast, the stranger, the orphan, the widow, all who would be considered in some phases of a mess. We see God taking care of and being close to those in a mess. Romans 5, 6 through 8. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He comes to us in our mess. It's understood we're sinners. We need Christ. We need him to step in. While we were still messed up sinners, Christ died for us. So since this mess is assumed, I think it's wise for us to see how Jesus works on us, in us, through us, in a community of believers through the mess. You know, there's plenty of examples in scripture. I mean, (laughs) scripture could be titled, What a Mess. I mean, look in the Old Testament, the characters there. Wow, okay. Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Noah. I mean, you can rattle them off. Mess, 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 mess. There's lots of examples, but one of the best, one of the greatest examples of what Jesus loves to do with messy people is Peter. I don't know about any of you, but relatability to characters in the Bible, I would put myself with Peter. Just talking before you think, you know, saying things that are maybe sometimes inappropriate, you know, just really just thinking you know what's going on when really you're kind of clueless. All these things that Peter did, I can relate to. 
But the reality is, and the amazing comforting thing is, that Jesus knew it all, and he picked Peter. Isn't that crazy? He doesn't pick teams like we would, right? All right, line them all up. And let's pick teams. Dodgeball, okay? I'm going to pick this one. Looks like he's never thrown a ball in his life. I'm going to pick this one. Who's slower than molasses. You know, all these things. This is what we get. Jesus picked Peter. And even the beginning when he picked him, he's out there trying to catch fish and Jesus just blows him away with this miracle. And what is Peter's response? Peter even recognizes his messiness. He just says, I I just, I'm a mess. He literally says, go away. I'm a sinful man. He sees himself as a mess. And he's like, why are you picking me? But Jesus welcomed Peter's mess. Peter reveals on many occasions that he's a mess. And again, I can relate. I I had a situation, uh, I think I told this maybe from the stage before, but it's just a relatability thing just for you to see how messed up I am. Relating to Peter in speaking before thinking. Again, I'm I'm a social person, so I like to get to know people. And in this one situation, we were at this party up in New York City, and my friend brought me there, and it was my wife and I, and we're at this pool party, a bunch of strangers, and I'm in this pool, and I'm trying to make small talk. And it's like, my my wife's like, see, that's why you don't do small talk, because of what just happened. And it's like, I'm just talking, these two ladies in full dress, just like, hey, you know, shooting the breeze. And this lady's like, man, uh, you know, this is rough. Um, You know, it's hot, I'm sweaty. She's just complaining. And she's complaining uh, because um, I thought she was pregnant. (laughs) So... I don't even have to finish the story, but I will. Uh, I'm, I'm talking, I'm hanging out, you know, and I'm like, she's complaining, it's how hot, it's this, my AC broke, whatever. She's, I don't know, it's happened so long ago, I just add stuff to it as it goes. But uh, So I'm just like talking and hanging out, and I'm like, man, my sister, she can feel your pain. She's nine months pregnant. You ever do that, and you're just like trying to grab them and throw them back in your mouth? That's what I felt like because she leaned over to her friend in the pool with her and said, get a load of this guy. And this thick New York accent, I can't do it justice, leans over and goes, get a load of this guy. He thinks I'm still pregnant. I had my, my baby two months ago. And I'm just like, oh, where do I go? How can I, can I go under the water and just stay there? <laughs> and there I am in this mess. And here we are with Peter. Here's some great examples of Peter in a mess. Uh, four different examples. Number one, Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 4 and 5. It says, Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is crazy. You're so messed up that God himself has to interrupt your blabbering. This is it. 
this happens to Peter. He interrupts him. So I got something to say, Peter. Will you shut up? And here it is. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. While he's still, he was a verbal mess. Secondly, don't wash my feet. In John 13, six to nine, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. But Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter wanted a full bath, right? (laughs) And here he is. He was a mental mess. He misunderstood situations. He misunderstood intent and what was going on. He he really couldn't read the room very well and get a clue. Third, he says, I'm ready to die for you in Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. This is Jesus speaking. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. See, he thought he was ready. If you jump down to verse 61 and 62, what happened? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He was a mess. He's unstable. He was going through such trial and difficulty in his life, obviously seeing someone so close to him die. And then fourth, kind of in between those two things, he cut off the soldier's ear. In John 8, 10 and 11, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And Luke goes on to talk about how Jesus even healed the guy in that moment. Because Peter was a mess. He was impulsive. He spoke out of turn. So many things he denied that he even knew Jesus after hanging with him for three years. See, Jesus sees something different in people. Jesus sees something different in us. Jesus sees something different in the church as a whole, as a community. See, he steps into our mess. He stepped into Peter's mess. And in John chapter 21, you see the result You look at John chapter 21 and you see that as the disciples, once again, what they go back to, what they knew after Jesus died and was buried, they go back to fishing and they're out there fishing once again, catching nothing. And Jesus appears on the shore and here he is cooking them breakfast. This man that just denied Jesus was cooked a beautiful breakfast and a welcoming party for Peter on the shore. And you read John 21, it's crazy. But really to tell the story, I found this video. We've shown it maybe a few years ago, but this video tells the story of Jesus and how he restores Peter really well. So check this out. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, Don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. 
Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, no, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord. You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said... Don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. Yeah. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said go- what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. So Jesus comes to Peter in his mess. Peter denied Jesus three times. He was offered a chance to profess his love to him three times. Peter, in his mess, was welcomed by Jesus was encouraged to come to him, and not only come to him, but he declares that he's going to use him to build his church. Here's Peter, one of the most messy people in all of scripture. Jesus does not leave him doubting his love. Jesus gives complete, total healing and restoration. 
So I guess the question we can ask maybe for you, what mess are you dealing with? What difficulty are you going through? What is your life struggling to understand? Are you still in the mess of your sin with hope, without hope in a savior? Maybe some of you in this room don't know the answer to all life's messes, the one who can step into your mess, the one who can transform you. You don't know Jesus as your savior and today could be that day where even now you bow before God and say, I trust in you, Savior. I trust in you, Jesus, and the work you did on the cross. Maybe for you that are believers, the mess may have been imposed on you. Maybe you're in the middle of a mess, but you're like, I did nothing to deserve this. But God can use this mess for your good and for his glory. Maybe you've created the mess. It's all on you. And you have to own it. And you think, well, I created this mess. I've done so much to dishonor God. There's no way there's forgiveness for me. But we can see through Peter's life and countless lives in Scripture, and maybe in the lives of those around you that sit with you even now, that God is in the transformation business and he takes our mess, our mess, and he creates something not to make us look good, not to live our best life now, not for everybody to say, oh, how amazing you are that you came from this and now you're this, but instead to display God's glory and to show others how amazing God is and the transforming power of his work in our lives. So let's look at the mess as an opportunity to know Jesus more deeply, to see his desire for us more clearly, and to display his love in the, in the middle of the mess. Let's go ahead and pray together. God, uh, we're thankful. God, uh, just kind of leading up to this new year. Lord, I'm thankful for your blood that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. Lord, we th we're so thankful that you don't leave us alone in the middle of our mess. Lord, but you redeem it. You can restore it. You can give us a new purpose. Lord, help us to, even now, sense your Holy Spirit pulling us to confess, to repent. Maybe it's a repentance that needs to take place of just pretending to have it all together and that your life isn't a mess. And just acknowledging that you need a savior, just like you needed a savior way back maybe when you believed him in the first time. Maybe it's someone who needs to acknowledge that although they can see they're a mess, that they don't have to sit there in it and wonder if something else can happen with their tough situation. Lord, I pray you'll give people hope today. Give them encouragement. Give them conviction. Allow us to see you for who you are, the Savior 
of the world who stepped into the mess and came and paid the price for our sin, not just to reserve a spot in heaven, but to give us new life so we can inspire others, so we can live for you, so we can do good works and honor you and be the church that you've called us to be in our community. We thank you for our time together. In your name we pray, amen.